men and amen. Something interesting happened uh, a couple of days ago as I was coming back from, from the Y, and usually when I'm driving back, I listen to the radio, and I was listening to this talk show, and it was a sports talk show. And I just caught just in mid-program, and the, the two sports people, they were talking about Kirk Cousins, who's a quarterback for the uh, Minnesota Vikings football team. And they were really on him big time because he has refused to uh, take the vaccination. And the word that caught me, though, as they were talking about him and why he's chosen at this point not to have the vaccination, uh, one of the individuals said, well, he's an idiot. And that caught my attention. He's an idiot because of his reasons for not having the vaccine. Then he said, now I'm kind of paraphrasing, he said, now if you think that he's an idiot, I want you to listen to his father. And uh, then he said his father is a preacher in Miami or Florida, somewhere in there. Then he said, just listen to this guy. So obviously it was a little, you know, portion from a message he was delivering. And so his father started talking about how Satan has taken control of so many of our institutions businesses, etc. And then he used, as an illustration, he said, whatever happened to uh, our founding fathers of some of our major educational institutions really were founded by ministers. He mentioned Harvard, Dartmouth is another one, I believe Yale, and Princeton, and so on. And so his what he was saying was that in this day and age, uh, Satan seems to be controlling so much of what's going on in our world. Then it stopped. Then it went back to the two uh, commentators or whatever you want to call them, and they just went on a rage of language of hatred for this pastor. He is a blatant idiot, et cetera, et cetera, for his views and what had gone on and on and on. And uh, I thought about that, and it kind of confirmed what I've been feeling in my heart for, for weeks now. I believe, now this is just me, I believe that God has allowed Satan to really confuse our country. I think we are in a state of absolute confusion. The reason why I say this, this is a long intro into the message, so you think, oh my goodness, this can be a three-hour message. No, I don't think so. But anyway, to confirm what I just said to you, in real, real life, real time, for me, I had my annual checkup, and uh, I was talking to the doctor. Everything is fine. Thank you. Thank the Lord for that. And uh, we start talking about the vaccine. 
And in that, in that conversation, the doctor said, come over here. And so she, I had a chair right next to her desk. And so, and we're eye to eye talking. And she said, have you had the vaccine? And I said, no. And then she said, well, why? And I said, well, I've had COVID. And I said, our doctors, we talked to our doctors, and we've been tested, we have the antibodies, so, so we're fine. And she said, well, the doctor's wrong. Just like that, the doctor's wrong. I said, well, I'm a lay person, so who am I to believe? One doctor says this, that. So that, that was stuck in my head. I was driving home. So I, Jen and I were talking about this. So we decided to investigate further. So as we get older, as you get older, the old saying is, you know, the little black book used to have the names of maybe your people you were dating or whatever. We replaced that with our doctors. So we got out our little black book, and we started talking to some of our doctors about this. And the, one, the, the ENT guy said, no, you need to go where, Jan? Immunologist. Yeah, immunologist, and talk to about this vaccine thing. So Jan called her, and she said, you're fine. You're fine. You know, you don't have to take the, you know, I have the vaccine. You're fine. Primary, uh, primary physician, same thing. You're fine. But then you have, we have another group of doctors that say, oh, take the vaccine, take the vaccine. That's the way it is all over our land. It just isn't us. It's all of us. Who do we believe? I have never in my life living on this planet has seen such confusion in our country over one issue. There was never confusion about polio. You know, everybody was right there trying to fight this thing. The scientists were unified, everyone. And for some of us have lived, been on this planet longer than others. Look at some of the other uh, national issues we have with health. We've always been unified. The science has been unified. Not one person in this room can say, this for sure is what we should be doing. Because we have been told through the media and other outlets that you do it this way, you do it that way. I am, I just about, well, for me, I got a little bit upset that I caught Dr. Fauci, I'm going to name him. He was on the internet and saying, well, this strain of this Delta virus, now the next strain that's coming could, he used the word could, be a real problem. Now, this is the person that is supposed to be ahead of all of this. And he claims to be a scientist. Well, I don't know. I took science and, you know, uh, in my life, too. You have as well. And science is based on empirical data. We hold off on judgments until we go through our experiments and everything else. Am I right? right? I mean, that's just common sense. Could is not a good word to use if you're a scientist. Could is not a very good word to use if you are a scientist that people are looking up to and, and a person who's making big decisions on behalf of all of us. Could is not a good word to use because what it does, it creates more confusion and fear. Am I wrong? 
That's where we're at. I've never seen it like this before. We are so divided. And then now they're talking about closing down. I'm getting, I know I'm getting a little bit political here, but they're talking about then closing down this and closing down that. How much more? How much more? Satan's got to be, you know, and we're talking about intelligent people here. We're all smart, aren't we? I mean, we're talking about across our land, brilliant people, and they, it's like they don't understand. They don't understand what's going on here. It, and then this sports thing just did it for me. The guy's an idiot. So guess what? I said, you're calling me an idiot. Because I believe that preacher. I thought he was spot on. So those that believe are idiots. Therefore, I'm not, only, I'm not the only idiot here. You're all idiots. We're all idiots. You know, and so that's what's happening in the world. Satan has so many methods of deceiving people. He really does. And others will blow him off thinking, well, he doesn't really exist. Friends, we know he exists. And he's alive in our country and our world today. And he's creating havoc with brilliant people. I cannot tell you how many of our friends who are educated, are so caught up in these lies. And we cannot change them. We don't, we back away. Because people get so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They take it so personally, if you disagree. Where, whatever happened to compromise? Well, our leaders are leading us because they absolutely do not agree with each other. I mean... I mean, come on. I mean, here we are. It's been how many months since Donald Trump, and I'm not pushing one or the other, but I keep hearing Donald Trump's done this, Donald Trump's done that. Well, it's getting to the point, it's so silly, that if it starts raining too long or for too many days, we say, it must be Donald Trump's fault. (laughs) It's crazy. This world we are living in now is crazy with confusion and anger, and everything else. I got that off my chest, so I feel a lot better. So, I believe today we are engaging in a massive spiritual battle. And Paul said in Colossians 1, 13 and 14, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom, what? We have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Here Paul describes this conflict between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, which has plagued humanity from generation to generation. Today, many pastors, listen, many pastors and churches and church leaders have ignored or made light of this spiritual war. They have. I'm not going to be bashing... Hear what I'm saying? And if you want to know the truth, many, most pastors, I believe, know that there's a spiritual warfare going on, but they don't know how to deal with it. So they just ignore it. They don't even bring it up. And it's interesting. What I'm saying is because if you take the book of Revelation, for example, you can probably count 
on, on one hand or whatever, how many pastors will, will even take a shot at preaching on Revelation? It's, it's amazing. Or some treat it like it doesn't even exist. It's just another part. Can I, I need to slow down my voice, talking too loud? Am I cool or what? All right, Susa, thumbs up. Okay, now I lost my train of thought. I lost my rhythm. Oh, no, no, i got to start all over again. Okay. <laughs> oh, God is good, isn't he, all the time? So we see that, that we've ignored this spiritual warfare to the extent that many Christians are oblivious to the seriousness of this unseen conflict. And we need to really, I think more important in this day and age, age as we move closer to the end, I'm not going to say, well, Pastor Denny is saying the end is going to come next week at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm not saying that. Jesus said, just watch the signs. Just watch the signs. And we're a lot closer to the end than we were back in ancient days, so we know that we're, we are advancing, you know, toward, toward the, end, the end times. But we have good news. Verse 13 says, we are delivered from this darkness by Jesus Christ himself. Then at 14 affirms this. We have redemption through Jesus' death on the cross. So these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at Satan's strategies uh, for, from pre, uh, preventing us from growing in Christ. But also, we need the other side of that coin is the good news that we can be victorious over his attacks. Amen? So the first one is our common enemy. I have three points, and some are longer than others. Three points. One common enemy. Ephesians 6, 10, 10 through 12. This is a scripture that we have read many, many, many times over. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full arm of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our trouble is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul closes this letter to the Ephesians by giving us building blocks for living a victorious life in Christ. Verses 10 and 11, he said, In order see, to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, we must first put on what? The armor of God. What is the armor of God? We're going to be talking about this in detail, all this armor. We have what? The belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. Feet or, or footwear for spreading the gospel. The shield of faith. We fight through the shield of faith. These are all kind of military terms that... Uh, that uh, Paul used. And then you have the helmet of salvation. You got to have that. And of course, the last one is the sword of the what? Right. Amen. So we need that armor in order to fight these battles. God's supernatural power is necessary because we are in a royal battle for our souls. And that is a fact. We are at war. And it's a battle that we cannot fight on our own. It's a battle between the unseen, 
the darkness and light, there's a clash going on. And isn't it true? Every time a person comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ, there's what? There's joy in heaven, but there's also Satan is involved in that. He doesn't like that. He doesn't want that. So this battle is ongoing, and it is, it is just it's a continual uh, situation. So in ancient world, demons and evil spirits, really, uh, they just uh, ravaged, it seemed like, every part of their lives. And this, my friends, has not changed today. Verse 12, for a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The evening news reminds us we're facing a raging mess. Crime has skyrocketed across our land, our, our cities. We hear this every night. You know, defunding the police and the crime, it just, we just hear it. We hear it all the time. More people are dying every day from drugs. From drugs. And I have to tell you this, and, and you know, I don't, if you think I'm getting being too political, you know, please understand this. And a lot of these drugs now, there's, what, ethanol? Is that, that's what it's called? Fentanyl. Fentanyl. It's coming where? From the border. It's coming flooding into the United States. And that stuff kills. More people are dying they're into drugs because they're getting a hold of this stuff and it's killing them. So we are at almost at unbelievable proportion of people that are dying from drugs. Amen. We are. And again, this pandemic has, has just paralyzed our world. You know, we watch the Olympics. I enjoy the Olympics. You know, can you figure that out? If somebody can help me, talk to me after church. They talked about, about the mask thing. Sometimes they're wearing the mask, the athletes. Then they're not wearing the mask. Sometimes when they interview, they're wearing the mask, and sometimes they're not. Or either they're wearing the mask, and the person they're interviewing isn't wearing the mask. Or other way around. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know, we're seeing lying and cheating for power and money is intensified. You know, and the split, here it is, the split between the churches and, and theology between, on the one hand, you have the more fundamentals, the evangelicals, those who are trying to follow the word of God in their lives, and then the other hand, you have this other split, you have the more liberal churches that are preaching a social gospel. You know what I'm saying? Being in a denomination where, where I was in a denomination for 15 years where that was the case. It was a social gospel. They do not see the word of God as you see it. They don't. You only, they interpret the word of God through today. Not what happened 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago. And that has a, that's a wedge. That's what's going on in churches today. Churches today are on the critical list. They really are. People aren't coming to church as they used to due to the pandemic, etc. And, and those that are, then you have the mockers, which I talked about earlier. They'll mock you. 
the split is big. You know, I'm going down to rabbit hole, Jason, but, you know, that's what I do sometimes. I remember in seminary, we talked about a time because I was at Presbyterian Seminary, and it was interesting listening to this one lecture, and they're talking about uh, church denominations within themselves coming together. So with the Presbyterians, you had the Presbyterian Church of the North, which is the more liberal uh, Presbyterians. Then you had the Presbyterian Church of the South, and they are different. If I, I know I sometimes I throw the Presbyterians under the bus, but there is some good denomina- Presbyterian denominations. Presbyterian, the Presbyterian Church of America is a dandy. I'm just saying, so I'm not totally ripping them all apart. But anyway, my point of all of this is, when these churches try to come together, when you have different theologies, it works for a very short period of time because, because when you start living life, theology comes into play. And that's where the conservatives and the liberals part ways because they cannot reconcile with each other. That's what happened time and again with the Presbyterian denominations, but not only them, but also the Methodists and other denominations that try to pull their and try to be unified, which is inter- interesting. I, I did this another side note, but I just thought of this because I think it's so cool. The Assemblies of God, so in the Assemblies of God, which we are, but we are also affiliated with, guess what? The evangelical churches. And the evangelical churches are not Pentecostal. So you know why, you know why we've reconciled with that? Because we agree on the basics of the faith. That Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. That he died on the cross for us. That you need to be born again. We all, see, that's the common thread that keeps us all together. When we come to our, to our place in heaven, the first questions asked of us is not going to be, what is your spiritual gift? It's going to be Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, believing in him, gets us into the kingdom of God. Not your good looks, not your money, not your fame, only Jesus. Amen? Dewey said, well, whatever. We have heard this before. You know, the amazing thing is, I've always said, you know, I'm not against money. My goodness. I think it's great. God gives you gifts and he gives you opportunities. That is wonderful. It's wonderful. As long as that's not what drives your life. You know, like I say, you, you know, in a, in a funeral procession, you never see what, a U-Haul, you know, following the casket. You know, it just doesn't happen. So I think, I think you get my point with what, I, what I'm trying to say there because um, I forgot my, my point. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I think of how many times we've heard about the increase of UFOs, sightings. You know, you know we, so, so we have that going on, too. People concerned about uh, we have immorality has hit epidemic proportions. So why worry about the increased UFO sightings, you know, uh, when Satan is giving this world all that it can handle? And that's what he's doing. 
Satan is having his way right now. Not with us, but inside he's having his way. Now, I'm going to talk about the principalities that Paul refers to in verse 12. The principalities in verse 12 are Satan's workers. Schemes, going back to verse 11, refers to clever plans, methods, and deceptions. So, like a military general, Satan organizes, he directs, and he, he makes plans against us by using his demonic forces. That's how he operates. Notice this about the one we're fighting in verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our enemies are not churches. Our enemies are not cranky neighbors. Our neighbors are not that miserable boss. Our enemies are not this lousy board that we have. I'm just using that example. We're not lousy, are we? I don't think we are. No, they're not our enemies. Our real enemy lurks with, with the darkness of the unseen world, seeking to move us around like checkers on a checkerboard. That's what he wants to do, and he moves. If you think that you are above what he can do to you, look out, because he's moving you around. He wants you to think, oh, no, no, no. I'm too smart for his tricks. I won't fall for that. That's when he's got you. Deception. He'll deceive us in so many, many, many ways. Amen? Amen. Well, I know that you really want this to go on forever and ever, but, you know, we just can't do that. Um, I just want to go into number two, the battle lines are drawn. And get back to Ephesians 6.10. Finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. That's it. Christian Paul tells us to be strong so that we can fight against the unseen foe in the, in the spiritual realm. In World War II, for weeks, our Navy fought a fierce and determined enemy. It took, and I'm talking about the Pacific Theater. And it's interesting because my father was involved in one of those ships there. And this, at this point, was during the latter stages of World War II. And that's when they, uh, the enemy was using suicide planes to dive into these ships. And it was a constant thing. It was a constant barrage of, of these planes, and they couldn't, our ships couldn't knock all of them out. There's just too many of them. My father's ship alone, they hit by three of them. And it took a long, grueling battle before our Navy finally won that victory. But it came with a price. It came with a price. Thousands of Navy, uh, our sailors were, were killed, and many of them were wounded. My father was seriously wounded in that war. That's a war that we could see. That's a war. We knew the enemy. We knew who the enemy was, right? 
So we could see that. But now we're not talking about that kind of what now we're talking about being engaged in a vicious war for our souls. That's what we're talking about. The very souls that Satan wants so desperately to capture. For a fight is not against an, an enemy that we can see. It's not against even a board, a church board, or small groups, or, or worship teams, or whatever the case might be. It it's includes every person here. We are in a war. This includes every brother and sister in Christ. The battle lines have been drawn, and we can't get out of this fight. We can't get out of the fight. In, in our early Western history, whatever, we had the big fight of the Alamo. We all remember the Alamo. That was a, that was a saying, the thing, remember the Alamo. And it was interesting because before that conflict took place um, in the Alamo, which, which, which was a mission place, you had all of the, you had Davy Crockett, some of the great frontiersmen, they went to fight at that point. So they all gathered in the Alamo. Colonel Travis said something that was leading this in the Alamo. He drew the line in the sand. And he said, he gathered all the men that were there, he drew the line and said, okay, for those of you that are going to stay and fight, stand over here. Those of you that want to go home, and there was no animosity, if you don't feel like fighting, then you can leave now. Then you can go. So they had a choice. Travis gave them a choice. We don't have a choice. I'm sorry, we don't. You know, you can't say, well, I don't want to be drafted into this war, so I'm not going to go. You can't be a draft dodger in this, in this war. It is here, it is real. And this, but here's the good news. Now we're going to finish it with point number three. We are not powerless in fighting this war. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Now, how many of you have had a mountaintop experience with the Lord? Okay. Cage just threw his hand right up there. All right. Okay, when you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, how did you come to him? Some people have come to the Lord in a very, they say, well, I was just raised, like my children, they were raised in the church. And so they basically came to the Lord just through a process to know Jesus. Their parents, for us, it was different. We had a radical conversion. And some people have. Now, how many times, can you remember this? Uh, that when you came to know the Lord for the first time, when Jesus Christ came into your heart, how did that make you feel? Great, wasn't it? Yeah, he said great. Made you feel great. Man, weren't you skying? They go, oh, God loves me, and I feel his presence. I feel the presence of the Lord. It doesn't get any better than this. It's really true. You experience a joy that you've never experienced before. And I think God is so gracious, isn't he? Because he lets us go for a time. He lets us bask in, the, in his glory. And then he brings us all down from the mountain. He brings us down that mountain to live life. To live this life. 
He did that to me. I was on the mountain, and I was really having a blast with the Lord, but then he brought me down. And now and then through the years, you know, I, I've, I find myself fighting against the dark world. See, Satan's forces use deception, all kinds of deception. Well, you don't need to come to church. Why? Got a little headache today? Ah, stay home. No problem. You're there all the time. You know, and they're not going to miss you anyway. You know, or serve? No, I don't want to serve. You know, I've had it. I've been served for all these years. I'm tired, and I just don't want to serve. You never stop serving. Never. None of us do. God always has something for us to do. But Satan does not want us to serve. Or the church starts to grow. You know, it's interesting when a church starts to grow, look out. Because that church becomes a, which which I'm looking for, a target for Satan. Because Satan doesn't want the church to grow. And when that happens, all things, crazy things happen in the church. Ah, the pastor, you know. I'm getting tired of him. You know, he's, his sermons are boring, the same thing. You know, sometimes he's an idiot up there. He doesn't make any sense. Or, you know what? I don't want to serve on that board because they're a bunch of idiots too. You know, they don't think the way I think. They don't care. You know, I don't think they like me anyway. That's Satan. When he does that, it sounds silly, doesn't it? But it's true. He'll try whatever he can to keep us from growing in Christ because he wants your soul. He wants your blood, not in a good way. He wants your blood. That's what he wants. It's a deadly war, the spiritual warfare. It's a deadly, deadly war. But the good news is really found in this passage. Jesus, Jesus will give us his strength and power to fight spiritual warfare. However, if we try to fight this battle on our own strength or deny its reality, we will lose. If you think what I'm saying is nonsense, look out. You will lose. Because it's not about me, it's not about our worship, it's about a battle for your soul. That's on the line, right? And mine as well. You ever feel beaten up by Satan? I know you have, you know? And, you know, praise God for that in a way because that means that you're a threat to him, you know? Um, so that, that, that's your badge of honor, I guess. <laughs> Get beaten up by Satan, I love it. Uh, but the final victory belongs to Jesus Christ and those who trust and believe in him. You know, in closing, Satan will tempt you because he knows your weakness. He knows mine. He knows how to push my buttons. He knows how to push yours. 
And he'll use deception and temptation, whether it be in physically or spiritually, he would do that to try to break you. Don't let him break you in the name of Christ. No matter what you are going through, don't let him break you. You call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Just call upon him. Scream for him if you have to. Because you will find yourself, it could be in school. Maybe you got a wacky professor that you think is just absolutely crazy. He doesn't make any sense. I think he's out to get me. You know, I should have got an A and he gave me an A minus. Whoa. Oh, that was me. But that's what he does. You see, that's what he does. I lost a child and he tried to break me. He tried to break me. But he didn't. You know why? Because I called upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I called upon him because I needed him. We all need him. My brothers and sisters, the good news is this. God gives us the strength and the power to overcome whatever you are going through. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Pray to him. Plead to him if you have it. Whatever it is, just go to him. And whatever your need is, he will meet that need according to his glorious riches. He would do that. We are blessed. We are blessed living in this land. We are blessed in the midst of what's going on in our world because we have Jesus. We, we, in closing, we are not idiots. We are saved. And for you to be here right now, I say God bless you because... You've made a choice. It, it's true, isn't it? It's not easy being a, in, being a Christian today. It takes courage. It takes conviction. And I'm telling you, I really believe this. When God look, looks at each and every one of you, he's got a smile on his face. God bless you.